So if I had to be completely honest, there are a couple questions that every time I get asked, mainly by my wife, it brings out my selfishness and it just seems like an inconvenience to me. And maybe some of you guys, you feel the same way when you're asked these same questions. And these questions are this. While you're there, would you mind picking up? Or while you're out, would you mind stopping at? Or while you're at it, would you mind going ahead and? Now, if I had to be completely honest, early on in our marriage, the way that I would respond is I would just, when she called me and asked me one of these, I would just say, no, I, I don't want to do that. And then a little bit into it, a couple years later, I would respond, maybe how a lot of you respond, is you would go, sure, I'll do it, but you really don't want to do it. And now what I've learned over the last couple of years and what I try to challenge myself to do because I want to be the best version of myself and because I hope that it will change the perspective of this inconvenience and me being selfish is I will respond with, I would love to do that. Now, let me ask you this. Have you ever watched something, heard something, or read something that's changed the perspective of something that you have in life. Now, for me, a couple of weeks ago, I watched this movie that helped change my perspective on something. Now, just so that you know, I am a huge war movie fan. And the reasoning for that is a couple of reasons is my dad, he was a Vietnam vet, so he was in the Vietnam War. And I grew up in Fayetteville, North Carolina, which is home to Fort Bragg, which is the biggest military base in the country and is home to the 82nd Airborne Division. And because of growing up there, I had a lot of friends that, you know, parents were in the military. And then I had a lot of friends as we got older and it was time to make decisions. They went into the military. And, you know, just because I did ministry in Fayetteville for a while, I got the opportunity to minister to a lot of soldiers. So I just love war movies, and I love war movies that's really based on true stories. And the reasoning for that is because it makes me think about, you know, my dad and, you know, those soldiers that I knew. And, you know, I have just such a big respect for our armed forces and for the people that serve. So when I watch these movies, it makes me think about them. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I saw this movie that is a Netflix original, and it's called The Outpost. And in this movie, it's about a battle that happened in the Afghanistan war in 2009. This battle is called the Battle of Kemdesh. And what they would do, why it was called the outpost, is, you know, in Afghanistan, what the military would do is they would come and they would look at different spots and put these outposts in the bottom of the valley that was surrounded by mountains, now, a lot of you guys, you hear that, and you're like, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And a lot of people say that putting them in that situation is an indefensible situation. And, you know, the reasoning for that is because anyone that knows anything about battle knows that the people that have the high ground almost always win the fight or the battle. Even if you watch Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, you know when Obi-Wan and Anakin are fighting, Obi-Wan says at the end, Anakin, I've won, I have the high ground. And here we have in this movie and in this moment that happened in life is 53 American soldiers were put in this place. And this is the actual Camp Keating where this movie, uh, you know, talks about and deals with. 
and 53 American soldiers were put here. And what happened is one morning, these 53 American soldiers, they woke up to explosions and to gunfire. And here, a lot of them go running out and they grab their assault rifles. And a lot of them at the time, they couldn't even put on their clothes. So a lot of them run out in just their underwear. And these soldiers hear something that come across the radio that no soldier ever wants to hear. And that is these words, enemy in the wire. What that means is that the enemy is attacking. The enemy is coming down. The enemy is in the camp. And here, these 53 American soldiers run out, and they hear these words come across the radio. And to their surprise, when they look out, they see 400 Taliban soldiers circling them around the camp. And actually, this is what the author of the book, The Outpost, puts as he talks about this account. He says it is incredible that anybody survived the attack. And to this day, there are people who don't understand, people who are military historians and experts at combat who don't understand, look at this, how anyone survived. Here was this impossible, indefensible situation. And 53 American soldiers went and fought against 400 Taliban. Now, Unfortunately, eight American soldiers died that day. But the amazing thing is that three heroes in this story led this camp to do the impossible. And these three, actually two of them, won the Medal of Honor and was awarded the greatest award in our land. And one of the guys is this guy right here, Staff Sergeant Clinton Romashaw. And during this battle, what happens, and just to set up in the context, is two days before this attack happened, actually they sent their captain away. He's reassigned to somewhere else. So their new captain didn't even show up yet. And Romashaw, he, when he heard the explosions, was the first one to grab his assault rifle and go out to battle. And he encouraged the soldiers, and he challenged them, and he led them, and even... Within the first couple minutes of battle, it was said that he was hit with shrapnel in his hip and in his shoulder. But he never went to the aid station. He kept leading and he kept fighting that day and encouraging the soldiers, which led to victory. The, he says this quote that I love. He says, having those guys over there, those dear friends, we were all one team that day. Throughout the course of the day, knowing they're relying on you just as much as you're relying on them, kept me going. He's also known for this quote where he says to his soldiers, he says, listen, we're going to take this outpost back. We're going to take this place back. And he encouraged them to do so. The other guy that won the Medal of Honor during this event was Staff Sergeant Ty Carter. Now, he was the guy that was the ammo runner. And he was the person that when the battle's going on, he would get the ammo and he would take it to the soldiers that were coming across the radio saying, hey, we need ammo. Hey, I need ammo. So he was running throughout the gunfire and the explosions and all this just to make sure that these people would get the ammo. Now, what happened is while he was delivering ammo to this Humvee that was in the middle of the outpost and it was getting attacked from all sides, he takes the ammo to these two soldiers that's in there and he gets inside the Humvee and he's giving them the ammo. And as he's doing that, there's a soldier that's a couple hundred feet from him that they see get shot. Now, the two other soldiers in there, 
told him to just leave him. That if he went out, that he would end up dead. But Staff Sergeant Ty Carter, he gets out of the Humvee. He runs to this hurt soldier who's bleeding out from his leg. And he ties up his leg. And he lifts him up on his shoulders. And he runs back to the Humvee. And the whole time he's saying to this guy, you're not going to die today. You're not going to die today. You're not going to die today. And he puts him in the Humvee. And for a couple hours, they fight back in the Humvee. And then when they get a little bit of protection, him and another guy, they run this guy who's injured that he just saved to the next person in the story. And that is Captain Cordova. Now, Captain Cordova, he was the medic in the aid station. And what he does is I just think is remarkable. And it's powerful when I saw it. And the thing is, they bring him in. So when Ty Carter, Staff Sergeant Ty Carter, drops him off in there, Cordova, Captain Cordova, puts him on, you know, the bed, and he looks at him. And just to set up context, the first thing that the Taliban hit when they attacked was the generator. So Captain Cordova, this guy right here, he was just dealing with all these hurt people without power. And they already used a lot of the blood. A lot of the blood had already went bad because of it. And the guy they just brought in had the same blood type as him. So what he did is he hooked up an IV to himself and hooked it up to the guy. And he pumped his own blood to keep his fellow soldier alive. And when he started to feel dizzy and feel faint, other soldiers that had that same type of blood type would come in. And they would give the blood just to help keep this one guy alive. The battle narrative talks about Captain Cordova, and it says this. It says Captain Cordova's care raised the morale of every soldier in the aid station, and word quickly spread across the outpost. Here were these men, and you could tell that they were probably hurt. They felt like they were in trouble, and they probably felt like they were going to die. But I love these words, it says Captain Cordova's care raised the morale of every soldier in that station. And that the word spread quickly to the rest of the outposts as they were fighting. And because of these three individuals, they won an impossible situation. Now, to be honest, a lot of us, a lot of you that's watching right now, you may feel like them. You may feel like you're in the valley and you have the enemy coming down. And on your radio, it says, enemy in the wire. And you feel like you're just being attacked from all angles. And a lot of you, maybe you just feel like a lot of us feel like this whole pandemic, this whole uncertainty, just navigating life right now. It just feels like the enemy is just bearing down on us. And we just feel like we can't win because we're in an impossible and indefensible situation. And maybe some of you, you feel that personally. Because maybe some of you feel the enemy is coming down on you, and that enemy may be a financial situation. Or maybe it's something that's happened in your life that you haven't told anybody about. Or maybe it could be a health issue that's rised in your life, or maybe in someone's life that you care about very much. Or maybe you had a loved one that passed away. Or maybe you have a spiritual issue that you haven't been able to deal with. Maybe a lot of you. You feel like the enemy is coming down. And you feel like you're in an indefensible, impossible situation. And a lot of you may feel like you're ready to give up. Now, I just want to encourage you. 
want to help us to change our perspective. Because there was an early church that we've been talking about, the first century Christians, who feel the same way that many of us feel right now. There was them that were dealing with an enemy that seemed like it was surrounding them. They were in a situation where they felt like it was an impossible, indefensible situation, where they heard over their radio, enemy in the wire, and they saw this enemy, and their enemy at that time was the Roman Empire, who was watching these Christians grow in their faith and watching these Christians serve one another and reach people, and they started to get upset about it. And because of that, they started to persecute and torture and kill Christians. And it got so bad that they started to treat it like it was a sport or it was a game. And we know that because Tortillian, who was alive during that time, he wrote these words that these people would usually say and the Romans would say. They said, if the Tiber, which is a river, rises too high or the Nile is too low, get this, the remedy is always feeding Christians to the lions. And here, the early church, these Christians, they have already seen, you know, maybe family members, spouses, friends be tortured, persecuted, or even killed. And here they are, feeling like they're in an indefensible, impossible situation. And for the first time in their lives, their faith seems inconvenient. They're asking themselves, What's the purpose of even living for Jesus? What's the purpose of even doing these things and following Jesus if all I'm going to do is lose my friends and my family and all I'm going to do is lose my life? They are at that moment where a lot of us may be right now where they're just ready to give up, where they're ready just to throw in the towel because they feel like what they're going against is bigger than them. But the apostle Peter who was a follower of Jesus. He was someone that followed Jesus for three years while Jesus walked here on this earth. And the thing is, is he got to see Jesus teach. He got to see him heal people. And he got to see just Jesus do life. And after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and after Jesus ascended to heaven, Peter became one of the key leaders in the church. And at this moment, he hears that these Christians just feel like they're ready to give up, that they feel like they're battling an enemy that's just going to take them out. And he knows that they're in a situation where they feel like it's impossible and it's indefensible, and he knows that it's coming across their radio, enemy in the wire. And he writes this letter to them that we have, which we call 1 Peter And this is what he says. He says, These sufferings have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith. Uh, Get this for a moment. He says, these things, they've come. These sufferings, these, these things that you're going through right now. He says, I know it's tough. I know it's hard. And I know it feels like you're just in the valley. He said, but these moments, these sufferings, they've come so that it will show that your faith is genuine. He says, so it proves to yourself and proves to everyone else that you're real about this Jesus thing, that you're real about your faith. And he says that because of this, he says, of greater worth than gold. He said, when you have this genuine faith, when you find out that your faith is real, 
it's better than gold. And he goes on and says, and I love this, as he says, and because of that, it may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. He says, guys, listen. When Jesus comes back, and because you persevere through these sufferings, because you get out of the valley and you win this battle, Jesus will be there at one point when, he revealed, when he's revealed and when he comes back. And he says, because of that, he says, it may result in praise and glory and honor. And I think back to that picture of Captain Cordova when he's standing there and he's shaking the hand of that high official ranking. And the thing is, is he's looking at him. And I think back of what he's saying right here. And I get a picture of when Jesus sees us and he shakes our hand and he says, well done, good and faithful servant, who I'm well pleased. And he says, listen, it'll result in that. Peter starts to encourage him anymore. And this is what he's saying. He says, all right, guys, these sufferings, these things you're going through, this is what he says. He says, all right, this inconvenience. He says, hey, while you're there, while you're out, while you're at it, I want to give you the game plan. I want to give you the strategy so when you feel the enemy coming down on you, when you feel Rome coming down on you, and you feel like you're in this indefensible, impossible situation, I want to give you the game plan of how you can win and how you can get out of this and how we're going to conquer this. Because while you're at it and while you're out and while you're there, and while you're in that moment, this is how we can respond. And this is what Peter says to the early church as they're dealing with this moment. He says, therefore, since Christ suffered in his body. He takes it back to the beginning. He says, guys, I walked with Jesus. He was telling these early Christians, he says, listen, I walked with Jesus. He says, we were dealing with Rome too. And guess what? Christ suffered. He said, I saw Christ beaten. I saw him flogged. I saw him embarrassed. I saw him ridiculed. I saw him hang on a cross. And he says, Christ suffered in his body. And he says, the same way that you guys are suffering because of Rome, Jesus did too. And he says, next, arm yourselves also with. He says, all right, guys, he says, Christ also suffered in his body. He says, now, when we're going to war, when we, when we hear the explosions, when we hear the gunfire, this is, this is the weapons we pick up. This is what we go to war with. And he says, arm yourselves. And they're thinking, okay, yeah, well, what? What are we arming ourselves with? And he says, the same attitude. The same attitude as Jesus, who served through the suffering. And he probably would tell them, about how he heard Jesus talking to a group of people and how he told the apostles, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And he would probably challenge them and say, and Jesus, while he's being persecuted and while he's being ridiculed and when Rome is out to get him, he served. And Peter says, have that same attitude. Arm yourselves with the same attitude. And he says, this is the attitude. And he goes on and he explains, above all, above all things, above every situation, above your feelings, above the situation, above what's going on, this is what he says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude 
ascends. He says, hey, first, guys, start off by just loving one another. And a lot of us, that may be where we need to start at, by loving one another, by maybe loving that family member that's difficult to love, or maybe loving that person that wronged us, or maybe just loving that person that thinks different than us. Maybe it's just us learning to love our other fellow Christians. But he says, love one another deeply. Not just saying, ah, I just love you. But he says, no, no, no. You love them deeply. So much that you care for them. And he says, when you do that, that covers a multitude of sins. And he goes on, he continues, says, while you feel the enemy coming down, he says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Right? They may feel like what I feel like when I hear those quotes from Danielle. Where sometimes I feel like this could be an inconvenience. And a lot of you, maybe showing hospitality would seem like an inconvenience. And for the early Christians, it would be because you're bringing in other Christians who Rome is trying to kill. And that may be looking for. And he says, guys, offer hospitality without grumbling. It's not doing this like what I told you when sometimes Daniel calls me. She asked me one of those questions, you know, would you mind doing this? And I just go, sure, I'll do it. This is how he says to respond. I would love to do that. He says, do it without grumbling. He says, when the enemy is coming down, and when you feel like you're in this impossible situation, he says, listen, love one another deeply. He says, offer hospitality without grumbling. And then he goes, and he says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in his various forms. And you know the amazing thing? Is guess what? They did. These early Christians did what Peter told them to do. And they went and they made a difference in Rome. And they led people to Jesus and saw lives be changed. And the thing is, they were just like those 53 American soldiers who were in an impossible, indefensible situation when it seemed like they couldn't win, they won. And the amazing thing is because of what they did, it changed the perspective of the next generation of Christians that had to face something that was just as big as what they were facing, who was in a situation that felt like they were in the valley and it felt like they were being surrounded and felt like the enemy was coming down on them and they were hearing over the radio, enemy in the wire. But the amazing thing is because of the actions of the early church and how they listened to what Peter had to say, it encouraged the next generation. And in about the year 200 to 250 AD, there was a guy who kind of took the reigns that Peter had, and his name was Bishop Dionysius of Alexandria. And what he did is he kind of was the face of the church during that time with a couple of others that helped lead the Christians. And we don't have many things that was written by, by him, but we do have these words that he wrote. And this is a moment that he's talking about that we find in history is called the second great epidemic. And for, you know, them at that time, it had to feel like a global pandemic or like what we're going through right now because sickness and famine had hit. And this is what he says about the early church and about the Christians at that time. He says, most of our brothers showed unbounded love. Remember, Peter said, love each other deeply. And here, 
Bishop Dionysius, he says, listen, our brothers, the Christians, everyone came together and man, they showed unbounded love. When the sickness hit, when they felt like they were in the valley and when the enemy was surrounded, man, they showed unbounded love. It was amazing. And he goes on and he says, and they showed loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. The amazing thing is they weren't selfish. They didn't look at this as an inconvenience. They looked at it as an opportunity. And they looked at it as a moment to care and show the love of Jesus. And here they go and they run straight to the sickness. They run straight to the virus and the people that were hurting, the people that were in need, and the people that were dying because they heard about what the early church did and it changed their perspective of how they should handle the situation. And it goes on. He says, heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ and with them departed this life. He says, we lost a lot of good people. And he goes on and continues to say that. We go on, he says, the best of our brothers lost their lives in this manner. It says a number of presbyters, deacons, and laymen, and what that just means is just people in the church who didn't have a title, that were just, you know, Christians that were just serving Jesus. And he says, laymen winning high commendation so that in death, in this form, the result of great piety and strong faith seems in every way the equal to martyrdom. You know the amazing thing? Is these Christians during this time didn't die because of what they believed. They died because they acted on what they believed. Here, they had an example of the early church and saw how they responded in the valley where the enemy of Rome was coming down on them. And they heard the stories, and they took that example, and they did the exact same thing. And what they did was amazing. Now, Bishop Dionysius, he goes on and he continues and he says this. He says, but the heathen behaved in the very opposite way. At the first onset of the disease, they pushed the sufferers away and fled from their dearest, throwing them into the roads before they were dead and treated unburied corpse as dirt. Two complete opposites. And here the Christians came during this time and they took the people that didn't believe what they believed and the ones that were just thrown off like what he just said and they cared for them and they loved them and they got through this epidemic. Now, when I think about that and I think about us, a lot of us, we are going through a situation. A lot of us, we feel like we're in a moment where, man, we just can't win as I said and that we're in this indefensible, impossible situation where the enemy is right at us. But this is what I want to encourage you. And I hope that this has changed your perspective. Because now, now we get a chance to be like the early church. And now we get a chance to be like this guy, Captain Cordova. Because I think about him. Because I think about what his actions did during this difficult time when people felt like there was no hope and when these soldiers felt like they were just going to be taken out. I love this quote. Let's go back to the quote. 
He says, Captain Cordova's care raised the morale of every soldier in the aid station, and word quickly spread across the outpost. Love it. So he raised the morale of every soldier. And guys, we have an opportunity because when we care, when we care and we love deeply and we show hospitality and we use our gifts and we care for the people that feel like there's no hope, that feel like the situation is bigger than them, that feel like the enemy is in the wire and that they're going to win and they just feel like they need to just give up because they can't do it anymore. We need to be like Captain Cordova because when we do that, when we do those things, we raise the morale. And what we do now could raise the morale of the people in this community. Or if you're watching somewhere else in a different community in another part of the country, you could be the person that raises the morale in your community by just doing these simple things that we've learned. And that Peter has challenged us to do by having the same attitude as Jesus. When we serve through our suffering, we see people get helped. And a lot of us here in this community, we've been doing that this month. See, we've been doing this thing that is for Van Wert County. And a lot of us for the last couple of weeks, we've been doing different projects and different things to show our community that we love them by trying to boost up the morale of every person that is in this community. But we want to end with a bang. We want to be someone's hero. And the way that we're doing that is we have five things that we want to encourage every person that's watching this in this community or in another community to do. Because I guarantee you, if we do that, it will raise the morale of every person. And that everybody else will start to talk about the same way that those soldiers heard about what Captain Cordova did. And it went around the rest of the outpost. And a couple of things that we're encouraging people to do is one of them is maybe, you know, hey, just writing a note to a healthcare worker. Just thanking them for what they're doing right now. Or maybe a thing that we're encouraging you to do is to pay it forward or to pay it back. You go through drive through pay for someone's meal, pay for someone's groceries. Just show them you care. And the things that we're talking about, you can find at 4.lifehousepeople.com. And that can give you all the info of how we're encouraging people to love one another. Now, just want to say that I know a lot of us we feel like the enemy is coming down. We feel like we're in this impossible situation. But I want to encourage you, even though you hear enemy in the wire, I want you to know that we're in there too and that we can win. And that's my challenge to us. Don't give up. Keep being encouraging. And let's challenge each other so that we can set a legacy that when the church in the future looks back at what we did, they change the perception and they attack whatever enemy 
is going against them. Let's be like Staff Sergeant Romashaw when he said, we're going to take this outpost back. We're going to take whatever we lost back, and we're going to win. Like I said, the enemy's in the wire, but so are we as the church. Father, I thank you so much. Thank you so much for encouraging us. Because a lot of us, we may feel like we're ready to give up. But I thank you for the words that you gave Peter when he encouraged the early church as they faced an enemy that seemed like it was going to squash them. So, Father, I pray that we will take those words and that we will love this community and the people that's watching that doesn't live here, that they'll love their community and that we will just boost the morale of every person if they believe in you or they don't and that the whole community, the whole country, and the whole world will hear about it and will bring glory to you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.